Welcome to Seniors and the People Who Love Them. I'm Cookie. I'm Binky. And I'm Wendy. Last week, we talked about the effects of isolation on seniors, especially in the wake of the COVID pandemic, which apparently everybody tells me is over now. That's not true because we are on outbreak right now where I am. Yep. So we are on outbreak as well. And what's going to be interesting, gang, is that our speaker for our next episode it's on infectious disease control. Oh, and boy. so I know there will be like, yeah, some questions as to are we really and truly ever going to be um, able to say we have combated COVID? It's, it remains to be seen because it keeps coming up. It keeps impacting not only the residents, but the family members who come in to visit. It impacts us as the staff and only for two weeks, we were actually walking around without masks. And it yep. was wonderful, wonderful. But now we are back. Yeah. That's where we're at now. And it does, it still feels strange, but it's great. It, it still feels strange, though, to go to work without a mask on. That still feels, yeah. every time I walk through the doors, it hits me. <laughs> worry, I hate to be a pessimist, but I worry that, What's the next thing that's going to happen? Yeah. Did you guys get the bivalent, the most recent one? I did not, but I'm due to get it. I did not either. Barry, did you get? Yes, oh, well, we- I'm, I got a booster about a month ago. That is okay. great. Yeah. And that brings us to let us introduce you to our very special guest. This is Barry Rosenberg. He's all of our friend. Barry, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Okay. I'm Barry Rosenberg. As you said, I live in Ellicott City, retired, and I spend my time with family, friends, and traveling the world. And I am the leader of a group called, we've recently changed our name. We're now called Widows or Widowers of Howard County. Wow. That's great. It is great. It was a name. One of the things that we do as a group is we travel internationally. And we recently went on a cruise down the Adriatic coast. Wow. Our group, we had 19 people from our group on that cruise and we earned that nickname that was given to us by the crew of the ship. So we have officially (laughs) started our name to be the wow group. Well, that's great. Before we start, let me give a disclaimer. So our weekly disclaimer is that we are not physician lawyer. If you have a medical issue or legal issue, please seek to practitioner or lawyer to give you professional advice. Okay, Barry, how was that trip and when did that happen? We departed in mid-March and came back in early April. We visited three countries, Slovenia, Croatia and Montenegro. It, for me, it was an 18-day trip, of which 10 wow. were spent on a small ship with 40 passengers and 21 crew. I say we we occupied half the ship. Okay. My group being widows and widowers, many of us are single and prefer to travel as singles, and they accommodated us, which is why there were so few people on the ship. We had quite a few single cabins. 
I have been following your exploits yeah. <laughs> on social media and it looks amazing. I've heard those are wonderful places to go. It, we did everything right. The weather was right. We went a little bit off season. We went early and there were a few places that were not quite open yet. But boy, did we avoid crowds. I've seen pictures of what some wow. of the, place, the ports we went to look like when three or four cruise ships are in town. Wow. And we did not have any of that. It That's was, amazing. That's yeah, really it great. It really was. As a matter of fact, the background is the sunset off the coast of Dubrovnik in, in Croatia. Wow. I've had a couple friends go there recently and it's funny. I just had a friend who went, she went on a three week cruise to everywhere. And it's funny. She said the places that she loved the most were the places she had never even heard of and would have never taken a stop there, except that it was in this cruise. And she yeah. said those, she said Croatia was one of the, and Dubrovnik was the places that she loved the most of everywhere she went. I would concur with that. Yeah. I would agree. And you went with our friend Joyce, is that correct? That is correct. You got Joyce on a little boat for quite a while. Yep, I did. <laughs> That's amazing because she would not go unless somebody <laughs> would take her. That's, yeah. That's great. I can't well, I... wait to get together and talk about it. All, yeah. all of us, yeah. Let me ask you, Mary, how did this all that you are doing started? What does it give you idea to start something like that really helps everybody? Can't take any credit for it. This is actually a long established group. It was started in the early 1990s. I'm sure you've had friends who have lost their spouses. And as a general rule, it's recommended and people almost always go out and get some kind of grief support, either through hospice or their churches, or some of the hospitals have them. And people around there were finding that it was great, but you still went home and were alone and had to hang out with married people who sometimes weren't very accommodating. So they started this group in 1991 as it is strictly a social group. And just as your disclaimer, we have our disclaimer. We are, none of us are psychotherapists or counselors or psychologists, although I am a psychologist, but we don't do therapy. We are strictly social, but it is highly therapeutic to be around people who have shared a similar life experience. And over the years, the group has varied in sizes. We currently, when I joined, there were about 50 members maybe a hundred. And we currently have, I'm going to throw out a big number. We have 700 members, but only about a hundred of them are active. And by active, we do a variety of different activities. We have a monthly meetup the first Wednesday of every month. It's a happy hour where we get together and we basically take over a bar, Sonoma's in Columbia and have generally 50 to 70 people come there. And then throughout the, the rest of the month, we do a variety of activities. This month, we, we have a group that goes bicycling twice a week, Tuesdays and Saturdays. Um, we do a Friday happy hour, either at people's homes or at local bars. 
40 of us are going to Toby's Dinner Theater to see a production. And we have a couple of trivia teams, a couple of bowling teams, just social activities. I think that's so important. We talk about that a lot on this podcast about how important it is for seniors to stay active in whatever their interests there are out there. In today's day and age with social media, I know there are some bad things about social media, but I think there's some really great things about social media that can be connectors. And I follow Barry on Facebook. We are Facebook friends. And Barry has, you just, you're just, you just reek of positivity and I love it. I love all of your posts and we need more berries in the world. Thank you. The posts on Facebook though are a different aspect of my life. Yes. That, that, that's something that started with COVID. Um, I had plans and had an offer to be a travel blogger in 2020. Mm-hmm. And COVID hit and that all disappeared and went away. But I was taking courses and I asked, what should I do? And my instructor said, why don't you pick an activity that you do regularly and write about it? So that's what I do. I walk to a park in my neighborhood. It's actually a very small park. And I go three times a week. It's good for me because it's about a four to five mile walk. And I write and take pictures of what I see and do, and not necessarily based on, on reality. I make things up. And, you make uh, stories up about the docks. About, the every, about everything I see. Yeah. Alternate excuses and alternate reasons for what what's happening and what's going on. Well, you mentioned that the organization of the group, the members are widows or widowers. My question is, is there an age requirement to be a member of your group? Absolutely not. Okay. We have we tend to be a little bit on the older side because I think more often than not, we're older in life when our spouses pass away, but we're very open. We want to include as many people that need us. We have some younger people with children still at home. Most of the, us are empty nesters. And I would say we range in age from 55 to 85, with the average in the early 60s someplace. It is predominantly slightly more women than men. I would say 65% women and 35% men. And we're not restricted. My theory is that once you go through the loss of a spouse, once you're widowed forever, it doesn't matter whether you get in a new relationship or not. So we do have married people in the group, predominantly single, but we do have some married and quite a number of people who have met and are dating within the group or have met outside of the group and are dating. Some of our meetings are closed only for members, widowed people and others. We open it up. That's really amazing. So what would be a reason to close the membership? Because I mentioned earlier, it's very true that being around people who shared a life experience is therapeutic. And there's a lot of, I don't know what to call them, unwidowed people, a lot of people who, you know, who just don't have a great deal of understanding of what somebody goes through. And Mm -hmm. what we found is that regardless of how your spouse passed away, whether it was a long illness, whether it was a sudden death, 
whether it was somebody who had Alzheimer's and required a lot of care or some debilitating disease that required a lot of care. There's tremendous similarities in our experience, especially our experience after the spouse passes. We all go through a period of isolation. And for some people, that period can last a long time. It's usually for women, it's a little bit longer than for the men in the group. The women usually don't start joining us and coming out to our group until about two years after their loss on average. The men across the board, some of them come weeks afterwards and some of them a little bit longer. Quite interesting. And it's also the case of a lot of times people who have nursed their spouses through long illnesses are a little bit more anxious. They practice being alone even while their spouse was alive. So they tend to join a little bit sooner. All these that trips and I will say vacation in my work. <laughs> wonderful trips and vacation. Is there only your group member can join or anybody in a community can join? I usually open lots of things up to anybody. For example, we've been on our trips. We've been to Portugal and Paris, Ireland, and the Adriatic. Not a whole lot, but those are the trips we've done so far. And on each of the trips, I've invited friends and relatives to join us. And we've had both. I don't, I'm not a tour guide. I hire companies that provide, that do all the work. That's good. We also negotiate a better, a better deal for our group. Reason I ask that question is because if in a community, if people are widow or being living single at certain age, and they're looking something to get socialized, we can introduce your group that they can help, it will help them. Because I can just think right now that one of my labor, she been, she's widower. And I know she hesitate to make a social group except her daughter. And yeah. I think she had, whenever I meet her, it feel like she like to talk. And I think same age people will be more understanding the way she go through and she don't go nowhere. So yeah. maybe something in a group that she might join and that help her socialization. And as, as we talked last previous episode, that socialize so much in person's life, it doesn't mean young or old, it is important part. So that bring their life a little bit fulfiller live a little bit longer and happier. So the first thing, when I meet somebody like your friend, I found that in, in particular, women of my age, especially women who have been married for a long time and lose their spouse, they're not used to doing a lot of things on their own, especially the contemporary things, going to a bar by yourself. When I was a kid, women didn't go to the bars by themselves. They went with with a bunch of friends or they went on a date, but they would never 
have walked into a bar by themselves. I've probably never been to a bar by myself. Yeah. And it's, right. it's, the same, it's the same thing with travel. Women of my age would never have thought to go to Paris or Rome on their own. They would go with friends. So what I do, we operate our group. Are you familiar with meetup.com? Yes. I recommend it strongly to, to single people. So we run the group through meetup.com and we have a site on meetup.com that is only open to widowed people. But mm. we do get a lot of interest and we sometimes get together with other groups. There's a couple of travel groups on meetup and a couple of social groups that, that I've checked out and are nice people. And so we team up with them. So I have a mailing list of the people who are on my meetup group and, and they get notified of events. But I also keep a, a personal email distribution list where I include people who I've met and checked them out, vetted them, that they're people. I'm constantly concerned about security for the group. Uh, we've had, unfortunately, with other leaders before I took over, they just, if you said you were widowed and wanted to join the group, they let you join the group. And we've had, I call them worms. We've had a number of worms who joined the group looking for victims, looking for sex and money, both men and women, but mostly men preying on women. So now I do, I vet and screen members. That's really good. Yeah, it is. And we're constantly concerned about security. That's why some of the some of the events that we have are in people's homes. So those are usually closed. I don't want strangers going into somebody's home. And but I do like for Friday happy hours, we open that up to everybody, anybody who's interested, whether they're widowed or not. The trips, the same deal. It's open to anybody. Usually it, it ends up being friends, neighbors, or relatives of people in our group. Well, somebody touched on this, and I was going to ask the question in terms of demographics or ethnicities proportionately. So how would you describe basically most of the residents in terms of the ethnicity? You already pointed to the age, so we understand that. I'm embarrassed to answer that question. We are a almost lily white organization, and it is not by choice. It is not by design or plan. We do have some people of color, Asian, Hispanic, and African-American, but not as many as I would like. And I've made quite strenuous efforts to outreach and get people in the group. Given the random nature that brought us together, it's shocking to me how wonderful our group members are, or at least the active ones. They're friendly, they're open. I would feel comfortable bringing anybody into the group and guaranteeing that they would be treated kindly and fairly. But I would like to have more people of color. And that's not uncommon when it comes to social groups. People often, particularly of the, the African-American community, we are trying to bring more people in my current 
place of employment as far as residents in the continued care retirement community. There's an effort with respect to diversity, equity, and inclusion. However, they have not been that successful. Perhaps down the road, maybe there will be some opportunities. And people have to feel comfortable. They have to feel they have to feel like they can trust people with the information. And I think that sometimes is a barrier to what in terms of demographics you reported that ratio. Yeah, could be. Yeah. I, again, it's not for lack of trying. And we do have a few. No, uh, yeah, a few. That's a nice way to put it. I also find that in my experience, the way people seek support and activity in the community after such significant events can be different for different cultures. Because I have found there's a lot of cultures, they have super strong church communities. And so that's where they're leaning. But I think what you're describing would be of benefit to anybody. So I think that would be great. People, we're not restrictive. People can, and there are people in our group who are in multiple support, both family and church and other social groups. I say there's a couple of really good meetups around town. One group that does a lot of travel and another group that I don't even know what they do. They just socialize like we do, only they're open to everybody and not focused on widows and widowers. Lots of our members are in multiple meetup groups and lots of them are very active in their churches. And I agree with you, Wendy, regarding different culture seeking different kind of socialization. Because I can say in my culture, widow would not go out and seek other socialization on their age. Their only socialization, their relatives, like their daughter or their son or somebody that they know for their lifetime. But going in a certain other community and get involved will be very difficult process for them. So that's why I asked for the, that cookie asked for it, different culture and stuff, which I believe in my culture, they need that because staying in a home after you being widow and only outcome for your socialization, your kid and kids are their own life. So then they will feel a little not wanted kind of feeling, not realize that their kid has their own life. It's not that they're neglecting you, but that's what the feeling comes about, that they are not looking for me, but they are not helping themselves socialize with other people to make their life fulfilled a little bit. I think that's one of the changes that's been happening in our society. People are living longer. And if you were widowed in your 60s, there there was a time when your family could provide for all your needs. But if you're going to have an active life for 25 years after you're widowed, why restrict yourself to family? There's so many. It's so important to have contact with your peers, people who have 
similar interests and similar a similar pace of how they do it and similar life experiences. They share your taste in food and music. And I agree with that 100%. And adult children don't always help the situation. And by that, I mean they become very possessive of the mother who's widow or the dad who's widow. And they feel as though their lives should pretty much be at somewhat of a halt. So they see them as parents or grandma or grandpa, but they don't want them to be out there at a meetup group. And I think it varies in terms of the the... 60 to 65 or 70 and 75 to 85. Some people are much more open-minded and are more receptive to fulfilling their lives and not feeling that they have to live up to the expectations of their kids. But that takes some a strong mindset, in my opinion, because we've been dealing with situations in the aged population for many years. And when there's a loss of a spouse, the kids don't want their family, their mother or their dad hooking up, as they say, with anyone else. I would react to that with two different responses. One is that I have a good number of people in my group who didn't join my group. Their kids or even grandkids joined for them and, <laughs> and actually drive them to our gatherings, whatever it is we do. And, and I would also add to what you've said that as you get older i think the people are less computer literate and a lot of what we do is done online okay all the planning and notifications and whatnot it's not like i'm telling people about it i create an event on our meetup site on the computer and if you don't have a computer or know how to use it it's difficult to connect with us. So we do have a lot of people where their kids do that function for them. Their kids going on. Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah, that sounds right. Where is your next trip gonna be? I don't know, I'm in the process. We literally, it's been just two months since we came back. Yeah. And what I usually do is I survey the group to find out where people wanna go. And I filter it through where I want to go. <laughs> and, and then I talk to some of the companies that I've used in the past and try to negotiate a good deal. And in this case, I made some suggestions and did not get any kind of consensus as to where people want to go. So hmm. I'm, and, and I've had some, unfortunately, some situations in my own life that have kept me from focusing on that health issue, mm -hmm. family members and myself. Sorry to hear that. And uh, yeah, me too. So what I'm looking at personally, I, I, as well-traveled as I am, I've not ever stepped foot in Africa. So I want to go to Africa. Yeah. But most, And I also enjoy Asia, India, and, and any place in Asia. I've had fabulous experiences. But the majority of people want to go to the same old humdrum European vacations. <laughs> Italy, and, Paris. Yeah, yeah. Never know, if you decide to go, I join you. What I'm looking at is I'm looking at actually four trips. One is a land trip to Morocco in Africa, mm -hmm. which and one is a combination land and river cruise 
in Africa down the Nile. And the other trip goes from Portugal to Spain to Morocco on a small ship, a hundred person ship. And the fourth trip I'm looking at goes from Greece to Istanbul on also on a small ship with a 50 person ship. So it's going to be one of those four. Wow. I I can attest to the desire to go other countries or the, the different continents. So in September, I'm scheduled for, as Woody described, the European trip because <laughs> I've never been to Europe. So it'll be Paris, France, London, England, Switzerland. But the difference wow. is, and I've been to, and then it will be Venice, and then Italy, Milan, Florence. So I'm asking you, it looks like most of your travels, is it by cruise or do you fly into the particular places and just do your thing? I have personally been on large ocean cruises with 3,500, 5,000 people on the ship. Okay. And I've done land cruises on a bus. And I've, I've lately started going on small ship cruises. I've been on small ships in India and China and mm. in actually in Paris. We were actually on a ship in Paris and, and now down the Adriatic coast. And let me tell you how much I enjoy. It's the best of both worlds here on a small ship. So it's very intimate and personal, excellent service. Usually you get to pack and unpack once. You don't have to move every other night because your trip sounds like that. That's a fabulous trip. You're doing all that in one yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's 12 days. And so I know we're going to be very tired now. A couple of years ago, I did one, too. I wanted to put my feet in the Persian Gulf. So we went to Dubai, Abaniyaz, Qatar, of course, Abu Dhabi. But the difference is that we were always going to the port and then leave. So we didn't have a lot of time to really experience the culture. And, yeah. of course, I want to. Africa is definitely on my to-do, but I just haven't decided if I want to do South Africa or Egypt, but I will, God willing, be able to touch what I said, all the seven continents, including Australia, and so much looking forward to um, traveling. I think that when people limit themselves and thinking that it's too much chaos, I've heard people say, oh, I'm not going anywhere because there's so much craziness in the world and there's so many kinds of happenings going on. So I'm afraid, but I'm not going to live in fear like that. We got plenty of craziness right yeah. down the street. Right. Right. Downtown Baltimore right. Saturday night. Yeah. You don't even right. have to go there. <laughs> Joyce bought me a gift in Slovenia. It's a bookmark and it says that travel is like reading a book. People who travel read the whole book. People who stay at home read only one page. Wow. That's Great. deep. Yeah. That's I'm a deep. very strong advocate for travel it it broadens your experiences it broadens your thinking yeah like you said it gives you a new perspective yeah. on life overall yeah let's take a break Welcome back. This is the part of our podcast where we talk about any resources available to people. And Pinky probably has some medical terminology for us and a joke. 
But first, I wanted to ask if you wanted to share, Barry, if somebody was recently widowed, how would they find your group? We are on meetup.com, and you would look for widows or widowers of Howard County. Wow, that's our group. I did look online. There are some national widows groups. It's weird because I really couldn't find anything that was for widows and widowers. Everything seemed to be one or the other. But as you said earlier, Barry, a lot of people seek support from their church communities. I know that most hospices, especially nonprofit hospices, will offer free support to people that are recently bereaved. And even if you're not recently bereaved and you're just having some problems, if you give them a call, they usually have some good resources. I tried to share our information with anybody who is offering grief support, the hospice groups, the hospitals, if any anybody I can find. That's great. I work for a hospice, so I can get that information and make sure that's in our tool belt that we have for people. But you don't, your loved one doesn't have to have died on that hospice. No. Your loved one doesn't have to have been in hospice. If you've nope. lost somebody, they will help you in some and, form. And to be honest, we use a very broad definition of that. You don't even have to be married. Uh, if you have a life partner yeah. who passed yeah. away, or in some cases, we have people whose spouses are still alive, but they're late stage Alzheimer's and are not. Their body is functioning, but their brains are not. Yeah, you're bereaved. You're grieving for the person that's gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're very liberal in terms of accepting people on the fringes. I'd rather include somebody and then leave them out. Absolutely. But what I would say to you, because I know you have my email address, if you do encounter anybody, either one, if you would just give that to people. Of course, if they try to call me, they will not likely get through because I have very restrictive filters on my phone. You have to these days. Yeah. Yeah. So they should leave a message if they don't get through. Yeah. That sounds fine. I spend a lot of my time talking to people. It's surprising how many people need to be convinced to come. And it's very frequent that I hear, again, especially among women of my age, what we were talking about early people who come. I talk them into coming and they drive all the way to Sonoma's in Columbia and get in the parking lot and sit in their car and cry for a half hour or so and go home. They don't even come in. Wow. Oh, that's I will, awful. I will personally escort if people are uncomfortable walking into a bar full of strangers. I'll come out and meet you and walk you in. When somebody comes to one of our meetings for the first time, I am very careful to connect that person with a member who I know is a friendly, outgoing person to hold their hands and make sure that they're included with the group. That's really good. That's good. It's not like you're going to walk in the door and be totally isolated and alone and have to initiate any conversations. We'll make sure you're comfortable or do what we can to make sure you're comfortable. Excellent. All right. Pinky, 
You got some medical terminology for us? Yes, I do. So let's start with that. R-B-T-T distress syndrome, R-E-B, rebound, R-O-S, review of system, R-L-Q, right lower quadrant, R-U-Q, right upper quadrant. With that, I will be saying my joke. All right, we're ready. And joke calls perfect marriage. A man and woman had been married for more than 60 years. They had to share everything. They had talked about everything. They had kept no secrets from each other, except that the little old woman had a shoebox. In the top of her closet that she had cautions her husband never to open or ask her about it. For all of these years, he had never thought about the box. But one day, the little old woman got very sick, and the doctor said she would not recover. Trying to short out the affairs, the little old man took down the shoebox and took into his wife's bedside. She agreed that it was the time that they should know what was in the box. When he opened it, he found two crocheted dolls and a stack of money totaling $85,000. He asked about the when we were to be married, she said, my grandmother told me the secret of a happy marriage was to never argue. She told me that if I ever got angry with you, I should just keep quiet and crochet a doll. Two precious doors were in the box. She had only been angry with him two times in those years of living and loving. He almost burst with the happiness. Honey, he said, that explained the doll. But what about all the money? Where did all the money came from? Oh, she said. That's the money I made from selling the dolls. And that is the joke for today. Brian would have a lot of crocheted dolls. <laughs> that I That's my favorite one so far. I love it. Very cute. That is our show for today. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Please subscribe to get our upcoming episodes. We will be releasing new episodes every other Tuesday morning. If you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future topics, please visit our website, www.seniorscast.com. You can email us at seniors at seniorscast.com. Please give our podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And thank you so much, Barry, for coming on. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. It was pretty painless, wasn't it? Oh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm sitting here talking with four friends, so how yes. could it be bad? No? Yeah. And you shared some very relevant and inter- interesting information, so I'm sure our listeners will be able to gain something from your discussion. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So until next time, I'm Pinky. I'm Cookie. And I'm Wendy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.